Hello and welcome to Life Beyond the Numbers, the podcast for people who are curious about how to have a more fulfilling work life. We live in a world largely driven by numbers, logic and reason. But how we feel at work and about our work impacts us, our organisations and society. There is a relationship between the numbers of our organisations and the life beyond the numbers. I'm Susan Michrielon, your host. I've lived and worked in many countries. I've met people who love what they do and people who don't, people who bring their full selves to work and people who won't. But one thing that I've learned that is common to us all is that we are all unique and have unique experiences. And it's helpful to know that there are others who think like we do, or have had struggles too, or have gone where we want to go, or can show us things we didn't know. So join me and my guests as we place a lens on the human side of work life by sharing insights, stories and strategies to inspire you to let your uniqueness shine through. Hello and welcome to episode 106 of Life Beyond the Numbers. Depending, I guess, where you are in the world, the time will change this weekend. And for us here in the UK, this part of Europe, this week, or well, certainly for me, this week has just felt like preparation for winter. I've almost wanted to curl myself up and just hibernate. And even though the, the weather is exceptionally mild for this time of the year, it is so dark in the mornings and getting dark in the evenings. And from next week, it will be even darker in the evenings. And maybe it's because I've just come back from holiday as well. We spent a week in Sicily, in Italy there a few weeks ago. But it made me think about holidays and breaks and actually how am I going to make the most of the daylight for the remainder of the year until the winter solstice when actually the days will start to lengthen again. And in my office... Looking at them now, I have some photos of the sea. They're hanging up on the wall and two of them are of my favourite place, probably in the whole wide world. It's a beach called Dunshin Beach. It is about two kilometres from where I grew up. And it's the sea that I love to swim in. And there's also another picture of the sea from a holiday that we had last year. When I was in Sicily, and I I think I mentioned this last week, I saw the most beautiful sea that I think I've ever seen in my life. And I've put a photo on my screensaver on my phone. And what was amazing this week, I found, is every time I picked it up, I actually felt myself relax. So I would just see this photo of the sea and go, oh, like a physical change. And I guess it's amazing how we can transport ourselves to a place just using our imagination and have a little time out. (laughs) Um, That phrase makes me laugh, but have a little time out just to restore ourselves. 
And it also made me think about the fact that actually this podcast is about work life. And I think I spend most of my time talking to guests about work and a lot less about what do they do outside of work. And it made me think, well, have I got a compilation episode of people talking about holidays or talking about taking rest? And that is what I've put together today. Now, it was also inspired by this wintry week with mild weather, but also by three things I came across this week that got me thinking more and more about holidays and rest and breaks and pauses and stopping. And two of them have come from Twitter, but one of them was just on Elon Musk finally taking ownership of Twitter just in the last couple of days. And there was a thing about work expectations and work ethics, a tweet that he had put out earlier in the year, but it came back again. And the tweet from Elon Musk was, also work ethic expectations would be extreme, but much less than I demand of myself. And I kind of think, like, what on earth is he talking about? Work ethic expectations would be extreme. We're already in a world that is on and switched on and full on all the time. How much more extreme can it be? And actually, to what end? Seriously, without rest and recovery, we're not as effective as we can be. And then I get this newsletter from James Clear every week not just me, a lot of people get it, I'm sure. And there was a quote in there from a writer, artist and podcast host, Debbie Millman, on busyness. And what she says is, busy is a decision. We do the things we want to do, period. If we say we are too busy, it is just shorthand for the thing being not important enough or not a priority. Busy is not a badge. You don't find the time to make things. You make the time to do things. And I like that. That's a good quote. And I often think that when I say, when people say we don't have time to do that or I don't have time, it's more about, well, it's not a priority for me at the moment. It's not how I want to reorder my time. There's always time. We are in charge of the time and we make time for what we want. And at times when we get sick or something happens suddenly, that becomes the priority as well. And everything else just kind of fades into the distance. And then the third quote that I came across that inspired this episode is from somebody I met on one of the workshops I've been in. And again, this came from Twitter at Bent Writes. And I'll put a a link in the show notes. And what she says about a pause A pause creates space for the alchemy of our thoughts, dreams and knowledge and gives life to new ideas. And that's quite beautiful, isn't it? And even just that pause of looking at that sea on my phone, it just gives me a a minute out of what's going on in my day and perhaps diverts my thinking pattern to something else that may be more inspirational or more creative and remind me of what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. So I've put together a compilation, as I said, from well, from a bunch of episodes going right back to episode one. 
And the first piece comes from Javed, and Javed was episode 12. And I just like how Javed talks about work ethic here. And it just reminded me that actually probably a lot of us have this type of work ethic, working from a young age and being immersed in work and work being so prioritised as something we need to do in life. Then we go to Lisa Lloyd and Lisa talks about not having time and the importance of having space to make space, make time. And just a little snippet from Sue from episode one on self-compassion. And then from episode 50, Kiki and I talk about being busy, busy, busy and being on all the time, but also about rest and recovery and deep rest, as she calls it, and what to do with the weekends to make them a bit more fun. And then we go to Tony, who talks about this concept of mini retirements. And it's just a different way of looking at how we spend our time. And then on to Andy, who took a break between roles. And what I like about this one is Andy talks about the benefit. What did I learn from that adventure that I had? And finally, back to Lisa Lloyd to talk about using our imagination and to help us with our boundaries as well. So this one is about getting some rest. It is winter time here in this part of the world and we are all thinking about how to survive our winter, how to curl up and be indoors and warm and cosy and and also thinking about what will 2023 bring and what holidays might I take. So Rest is an important part of our working lives and of our lives and deep rest helps our brain to be effective and helps us to be at our best selves. So I hope you enjoy this compilation that I've put together for you. For the next couple of weeks, we'll be back with interviews and that's it for now. Ciao. Hi. I had a work ethic that came from my parents where when I was 14, I you know, was sent to a market stall to work for three pounds something an hour. And so basically since the age of 14, I worked when I was at university, when it came to the holidays and even during term time, sometimes I worked, I just had this sort of work ethic drilled into me as many of us do. And it's the work ethic of you work hard, but you also work the hours, which obviously has changed now. It's more output driven, but it's more about the more hours you work then you've got to feel it and you've got to really sort of be on your knees at the end of the day take that into recruitment it is a really really tough industry to work in the culture is synonymous with very long hours and i knew that from the off and that has never changed throughout my time in recruitment and even fast forward into when i got I had children yes i managed to juggle it but on reflection i again placed a lot more emphasis on, on work and just about kept my commitments when it comes to outside of work um, and family in particular. I think the number one complaint you'll hear is we don't have time. Yes. Oh, yeah. No, people don't have time for anything at the moment, do they? <laughs> you know, whether it's looking at the kind of like the macro level of what's going on in my whole organisation or whether it's looking at the individual level of where are people at right now for themselves. The number one thing, the number one barrier I hear people talk about is we just don't have time to do it. 
And that's where it's really important to work with the leadership to say, hang on a minute, pause there and just, just think about what it is you've just said. Because at the moment, you're full steam ahead, possibly on the wrong path, or you're on a path where you just know there's always barriers coming the way. So yes, you might be getting going the right direction, but you've got all this stuff being flung at everyone on that path. And it just feels like really hard work. So why don't you just pause and remove some of those barriers or pause and just check you're actually on the right path. I do a lot of stuff around people understanding their brain and emotional arousal and stress and overwhelm and anxiety and so on and how that really diminishes performance. And when people are able to pause and they're given permission to pause by their leaders and they know why the necessity of pausing in terms of their brain will be so much more productive and you'll be so much more engaged and so much more successful after a pause and um, then that's that's where the magic happens but people need to understand why and it's no good just saying to people you've got to have a lunch break or we're going to have to stop and have a day out to review it's like well why as soon as we actually understand the kind of mechanics of what's happening in our brain then we means we we put ourselves in the best control and we also understand other people's reactions a bit more and there's the whole you know, that's, that kind of almost fits in this whole stuff around putting your brain to the right place just to be able to engage well. We're plugged in all the time. You've got notifications coming through all the time. We're being bombarded. How do you prioritise? How do you organise your day? How do you, you know, all that stuff we need to be taught how to do. And actually, we're just being bombarded more and more and more, having more and more pressure put on us for higher expectations. And yet we, we're not giving any strategies of how to manage that. And that's the stuff we need to be taught as well. How do you manage your day? And it's simple stuff. It's really simple. And that's why we don't want to learn it, maybe, because we think we should know it. Yes. When I'm working with companies, sometimes I'm kind of thinking, what do I call this? So it sounds like, oh, that sounds at a level that clearly I need to learn this. Whereas if you actually said what it was, they'd be like, well, we all know that anyway. But the reality is we might know that we should prioritise, but we don't do it. Or we might know that we should take breaks, but we don't do it. And often that's because we don't understand the real why in terms of the impact it has on our brain and our performance and so on. And we don't know how to do that in the most effective, efficient way so we can still get our work done. Yeah, and not let others down or whatever is, is, is kind of holding us back. And be judged for it. Like, surely you're not quite as resilient as the rest of us if you need to keep taking breaks. <laughs> or, or you're actually saying no to that task. Can you not put that on the end of your list? Or, you know, to me to say you're, you're not stressed, that means you're not working hard enough. And it's beginning to kind of challenge all these misconceptions, which, again, we're, we hold on to. This is how we should be at work. It's like, actually, no, you, you're not your best when you're like that. Actually, you're definitely not your best. You're putting all the barriers up. Think about someone who's really inspired you. Think of someone who you think is a really good role model. What is it about them that you really liked? And what is it that you didn't like about someone else that wasn't so effective? And start consciously carving out the kind of manager they want to be. We don't even ask people to reflect for themselves, let alone not give them the, the training or support. But we don't often say to people, just who do you want to be? What kind of person do you want to be? How do you want to relate to your team? And also, while we're at it, you're also an individual as well. So you'll have your own personal stuff going on and you're not superhuman because we tend to forget that managers are also human beings who have their own set of stuff going on. I just think that hitting the pause button saying, are you happy with how you are? Have you asked your team 
what what do you find are kind of the three best things about me and what's the one thing that actually if I could tweak to make it easier for you what would that be I mean it's incredible courage and being authentic and but you know when when managers are able to do that often with a bit of support gosh the, the stuff they get coming back particularly you get more positives coming back and you, you make sure that happens it's so rewarding because you hear about the good stuff you're doing and then at least you know what you need to be working on to make yourself even more effective as a manager and i think one of the ones that often we forget is actually compassion for ourselves a lot of people i know especially high achievers they're often quite perfectionistic as well and so if something doesn't go their way or that they have done something wrong, they beat themselves up about it. And sometimes we just need to be gentler on ourselves and understand that everybody has bad days. Everyone struggles sometimes and this too shall pass. And there's a lot of great resources online about how you can build that self-compassion and actually allowing yourself time for rest and recovery and not pushing yourself to the point where you fall over. Mm-hmm, I think you mm-hmm. can only build that inner resilience if you do actually accept that we do all need rest and recovery, not just the annual long holiday, but actually building that into everyday life and celebrating small wins. So how often do we set, we set ourselves some amazing project milestone or you know, reaching the end of a project and then we'll celebrate? It's always, and then we'll do this. What we need to be doing is celebrating the smaller achievements, the wins along the way, because those things help us to keep going. And I think also, if we are busy, 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 there's no time then for for those new things to open up. And something I say to many clients is, how can you get some more white space in your diary, more white space? I know that that was a goal on my list for at least two years. That was a habit I try to work towards, more white space in the diary. Because then when there's that clear space, there's an opportunity to get the clarity, to to hear your thought process, to know what you want to do differently. Mm. And yes, there's busy, busy, busy at work and then go on holidays that are hectic too. Yes. Rather than actually just lie on the beach and not feel guilty that you're doing nothing. And and look, I I love activity as well, but it is really important to have that complete stop. Yeah. Yeah. And we need that daily, not just holiday. We need that daily. You know, we get 24 hours a day. We need to go to bed and we need to rest. We need to play hard also in, in the daytime and have that adventure. But we need to keep going. You know, think about your mobile phone. You charge it every night, don't you? Your laptops, you charge it every night. So that's the same as you, not just waiting until you get to your holiday to charge because that's not enough. You are back from annual leave. And last week, I probably got one of the best out-of-office auto-replies I've ever had in my life. And I'm going to read out what it said (laughs) because I think it's something we could all adopt we believe in taking rest and making sure you are your best healthy self to focus on our well-being through recharge when was the last time you took time off work or had time away from work kiki that it struck me like it actually made me ask myself that question which I think is a phenomenal way to have an out-of-office auto-reply. 
Tell me, what was the inspiration? Thank you so much, Susan. You know, even as you say this now, I get a little bit of emotion in me because it takes me back to, we've both spoken about our previous corporate careers and I'm sure we'll talk about it now. And you know, what happens very often is we go on holiday, but we are on, we are on our emails, we are connected still, we're still thinking about work. And over my 10 year journey of going through burnout and also experiencing cancer, I've had to make very big changes when it comes to resting and holidays. And so that email auto reply is probably one that I've used for over a year. And do you know what, like when I first created it, I was like, oh my goodness, what will people think? But I've just got used to using it actually. And it's just how it is. It's just what's expected. And, and it feels great. It really does feel great when you take that rest. And I don't think we rest enough as people and have enough time off. We are on all the time, but actually we need that time to be off and properly deep resting. Does it elicit a response from people, Kiki? Yeah, do you know, sometimes people have responded and said, oh, lovely that you took so much time off. How was it for you? And, you know, some people don't make too much reference to it. But actually, interestingly, recently I saw something on LinkedIn and I'm going to trial it. I haven't trialed it yet. And what they said was in your auto reply to say, do you know what? I'm on a holiday, annual leave, whatever that is, having rest. But actually, I will not be reading any of these emails. So I will delete them all. So I suggest if this is really urgent, you re-email me back on Monday there. And I thought from a well-being perspective, wow, that's great too. I'll be honest, we don't get hundreds of emails compared to like where I was in my corporate life, where I'd have hundreds of emails a day. We've really made changes. So for me to come back, I, I had a manageable inbox that took me probably 20 minutes to, to deal with. Anyway, I do think it's a great question. And for everyone listening, when was the last time you took a break? And especially now, because maybe our choices are limited in that we in the last year to 18 months, we haven't had the freedom that perhaps we normally have. But taking rest and taking time away from the day to day is still so important isn't it Kiki? It's so important you know what just while you make reference that I was thinking about that because we've just come back from being away a week in Cornwall we don't often holiday in the UK we love to travel abroad and I know you do too but with the situation that's happened it's made us do things differently and so we had this beautiful week away, you know, deep rest, beautiful being by the seaside and just all of that. And I came back to life and I was like, oh, when can we experience more travel and, and holidays and you know, all of these sorts of things? And it really made me think about, OK, you know, could we not be creative with our weekends? Could we not say, do you know what? I'm going to have a holiday every weekend and be a little bit more creative. So that's something that I've done. So I've been wanting to paddleboard for as long as I can think about. So I finally said, you know what, I'm going to go and book a session on Saturday and I booked that. So I'm going to start trialing my weekends being a holiday and seeing what that looks like. Now, obviously, there will be elements of things you've got to do, like the food and the but changing that perspective of what we can do differently with what we've got right now. Exactly. And because a change often is as good as a rest. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It comes as a surprise to people when you sit down and go, okay, well, what is it that you want to do with your time? What would an ideal week look like? What don't you do now that you would want to do? And then you can put some figures on it. 
And then you've got the reality then, not the perception. Because the perception for a lot of people is, oh, I'm going to retire skin. <laughs> I'm not going to have any money. And I've seen clients before where they've genuinely worked all their life. There's not been any downtime in between. They've raised families. They've gone through all of that. And now their children are older and they think, well, I'm going to have to carry on working until God knows when. Often by then, people have got pension pots all over the place, all that sort of thing. So they do an exercise where they think, well, actually, let's have a look at what we've got. And again, if you're not concentrating on what you've got, what is it you need, you can establish, well, actually, the reality is I've been able to build up a big pot of money and I've got enough now that if I wanted to, I could retire uh, and take it easy. Let's say this is day and age, people are fit and healthy. Reality is that retirement doesn't quite look like it used to, but by choice, they carry on working for the social element. Again, back to this, the well-being side of things, a social element having something to get up for in the morning, keeping yourself interested. But again, it, without picturing that vision, it's that vision of what you want it to look like. Yeah, also making the vision realistic because yeah. <laughs> you might like think, oh, I want to travel the world for 10 years. And maybe <laughs> that isn't something that you can afford or you'd need to put away more or start planning earlier. Yeah, it is that reality and the perception. So the, some of the conversations I have to have with people is like that where you go well actually do you know what you don't have enough to be able to do that so let's rethink about how you can do that you know does it mean mini retirements you know you do something and then you take a long extended holiday summer holiday that you wouldn't been used to taking when you were working not the normal two weeks or so but maybe doing longer mini breaks and just coming up with a different strategy around it if they don't have the ability to squirrel more money away really it just reminds me the term mini retirement i walked the camino a number of years ago right from lisbon to santiago de compostela and most of the people i met were actually just retired and they were on this journey yeah to figure out what they would do with the rest of their lives or the rest of their time or the rest of their money or whatever yeah and and i was 20 years younger than most of them maybe even more and I used to say well I, I'm on my mini retirement I've left my job it's an extended period and I'm also on this journey to figure out yeah. what I want to do but I think it's a great way to spend your life as well if you can not to work all the time absolutely I think so I, I did very something very similar a little bit later in my life I, I went traveling across America and it was for a period of six weeks so again longer I'd, I'd worked quite an extensive time with a, an employer and I clocked up some extra holidays and things like that so I did this trip and it was again one of those things I thought about for a while but the catalyst for that was just taking one action I booked the flight out to New York and as soon as I'd done that the rest of it, well, I had to take some action. Then I had to plan it, you know, and all of that. But like you, I've, I've viewed that as a, this is like a mini retirement, you know, six weeks. I intend to come back into a job and, and work on again. The mindset that they gave me for that period of time, just crossing America, you know, it sounds odd now, but just seeing these things that I'd seen in movies and all that, and knowing that I'd created that, by that first action, I'd created that. So the only thing that ever stops me doing things is me. It doesn't say that I don't not do things now and still get in my own way, but that kind of just realized it. And sometimes I think the same with retirement. If you 
you know, generation beforehand didn't perhaps have the luxury that we did to be able to do that. And it becomes a bit more normal. So now they get in that stage. My brother is in my same age as I am. His kids are grown up now, you know, so he's now got the second stage where actually these things become available to him to make these little breaks and give yourself some time to start to think about, well, actually, is this what I want to do when I retire? Take these more mini breaks and travel a bit more while I can. Uh, and again, it comes back to that health. If that's what you want to do, then you need to be looking after your health because we know that later in life, it becomes a bit more of an issue. But yeah, just having that vision, it comes back to that vision again, just being able to picture it. And it oh gosh, so yes, <laughs> I hit a certain age. I think that's what happened anyway, because I'd reached a stereotypical age and I was in a job that wasn't quite working out for me in terms of my own values. It wasn't quite connecting. And uh, I actually took the opportunity to leave which was during a recession and I thought oh my gosh I love cycling and I love touring why not take a good couple of months off and just go touring so I did I toured across from the far end of Switzerland so the Austrian side of Switzerland I cycled across the Swiss Alps and then the French Alps and the French Jura Mountains and the Vosges Mountains and all the way up to uh, Calais and then caught the bike bus back to my home in Yorkshire and um, life was never going to be the same after that and in fact I wrote uh, a book which was just basically a diary of the, the cycle tour. I'd written a blog whilst I was away so that my mum knew I was, I was still alive basically and this blog at the time had over eight and a half thousand hits from around the world in six weeks which was amazing. I know <laughs> and especially since I was just writing it for my mum basically. And there were calls to write a book. And I thought, what? Who writes books? I, I don't write books. I've never written a book. And it was like, oh, I've got the whole book here. It's just putting it into a book format, really, the blog. Minus, you know, just add the bits that I'd missed out that I didn't let my mum know. <laughs> 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 and um, yeah, and it was actually whilst I was writing the last chapter of the book that I, I thought, what lessons did I learn from doing this cycle tour? Because to be quite honest, I didn't tell very many people I was going because I didn't know if I could do it. I cannot read a map for love and money. I did not know if I could carry all this stuff, all my camping equipment, cooking equipment across different countries. There were different languages. I mean, I know it was Europe and I wasn't exactly going to outer Mongolia or anything, but it was quite a big deal. And I just found that when things happened, the, the kindness and support of strangers is just beyond extraordinary. So my number one lesson was to have courage to give things a go. Because even if it doesn't work out, you learn all sorts on the way. And that's how the business was set up. Something I'd always wanted to do. It was originally going to be a cycle touring business. I did the maths. It didn't add up. <laughs> so I thought, what do I love to do? And I started off actually being a part-time finance director. And it was a, a chance meeting with a lovely chap who's actually one of our trainers now. And he said, have you considered training before? And I said, oh, yeah, I used to deliver training at places where I worked before because I absolutely loved it. And those were always by far my favorite days. And he said, oh, I'll put you in touch with a training company. The very first training course I delivered, I thought, this is it. I have actually found my thing. This is what I was put on this planet to do. I just cannot explain the explosion of happiness inside when I'm delivering training and just working so hard to work with different individuals to really make sure that people are, are understanding and 
helping support them and help them get excited and everything. And quite quickly, it was a case of growing a team and like-minded people. And, oh, it's just been the most extraordinary adventure. It's been incredible. Has some downs as well as ups. I make it sound amazing, but anyone who runs their own business will know. (laughs) It's a bit of a roller coaster sometimes. I think the roller coaster is a very apt way of, of thinking about it. You talk about cycling. So I guess maybe you're a sporty person or whatever, but how do you keep that work-life balance, Andy? Or what, what does work-life balance mean to you? That's, that's really a great, great, great question. What does it mean to you? Because it, it, it's different things to different people, isn't it? And if you ask my family and friends, they probably say I spend a, a disproportionate amount of time working but people forget that's my passion that's my hobby that's what gives me energy it gives me fulfillment but I do need to break as well otherwise my my brain doesn't work (laughs) so yeah cycling is my total escape it's my my absolute world outside of of work it's uh, my sociability it's my holidays it's my license to eat as much cake as I like yeah it's the business (laughs) But we still have to be very mindful that our imagination is our imagination. And someone else can look at the situation entirely differently. I've got a screensaver on my um on my laptop, and I have a, a I have lovely beaches that look like they're from the Maldives or something, like desert islands. And that's always the kind of thing I look at and it keeps me going. But you know what? If you say to someone, imagine being on a little tiny desert island, it's almost like any room for you and a palm tree and a and a hammock and a cocktail, and imagine that's where you're stuck for for a period of time some people might just think oh my goodness I'm going to be sunburnt I'm going to be dehydrated there are sharks circling what if I run out of food and they could end up thinking about that whereas other people are like oh my word I've got no children I've got no distractions I can sit in the hammock read my book and drink my cocktail and this is just gonna be bliss so we all can look exactly the same thing and perceive it differently depending on our own personal lens so imagination is really good but we still have to check out how other people see things but that's why it's really good talking to other people because we gain different insights different perspectives that's brilliant I was certainly enjoying the bliss of the the island It's looking at the sky and imagining reading books and exactly exactly. oh it's really funny and everyone talks about that occasion and the need to be able to do stuff where you can just immerse yourself in just having fun and use your imagination to do something completely different to the routine that we find ourselves in now because our days do tend to be very routine based and based around lots of predictable patterns and so on and as soon as you can go and do something different it's, it's fantastic, which is why people get excited about planning holidays or planning trips, because they're imagining it's going to be different to where we are now. So that is so powerful to bring that into your work. Yeah. Because actually, we can mindlessly go and do a routine task over and over again yeah. and never imagine that there might be a better way of doing it or a different way of doing it yeah. and actually make it even fun. Yes. And when I'm working with companies, looking at their culture, and and, and it's really interesting. Yes, I would do some work with places that are very they're very intense, like maybe banking or something. It's all very target driven. It's very 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 intense, and they kind of know that they expect that. But 
when we talked about the fact that if you just could step back and have a bit of fun and they'll have you know maybe have a room where they've got a table tennis table or something and they can just go and chill out or they just have social lunches or they have a policy where they're going to get away from their desks and go for a walk it's about being able to create space because as soon as you have space that's where people can get creative and we know that in order to survive and well to flourish we don't just be hanging on by our fingernails we want to be leading the way in whatever industry we're in we need to be innovative we need to be creative we need to be thinking outside the box we need to be looking at things differently rather than doing everything the same as we've done it before same as everyone else what do we do to make our mark but that requires imagination and what some leaders don't get is they just push 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 to try and reach their targets but they're reducing everyone's imagination right down to just being that functional do what do day in day out but as soon as you give people space and you have that moment like standing in the shower when you have this really great idea that is when you have that ability to have those ping moments. And that's why I love things like work-life integration, where you're not having, you get rid of that notion of having to be on at these hours. And because actually if I'm sitting at my laptop and I just can't get into something, I could sit here for another five hours just because I'm supposed to, because that's what my employer wants me to do. And that's a classic sign of presenteeism. Or I could say, you know what? I actually need to get up and I need to go, I'm going to go on my bike for half an hour, or I'm just going to go sit in my garden and have a cup of tea, or I'm going to go and, I don't know, whatever it might be, I'm just going to go and switch off. Because then you just give your brain a break, you just give everything a break, and then you can come back and then you look at it differently. Brilliant. So for everyone listening, that is just so simple. It really is. And that's where you look for your evidence as well. And you go and talk to your boss who probably needs the same too. Yeah. And it's also about trust, isn't it, Lisa? It's trusting each other that you're still going to get the work done. Yeah. It comes from trust. The leaders and managers have to trust their workforce. But also we have to take individual accountability and individual responsibility for making the right choices for ourselves so I have worked with so many people who like yeah I know I need some more breaks I need to do this I need to do that and then when it comes to like oh I haven't got time I'm like just gather the evidence sit you know just stay at your desk for the whole day with your head down do what you normally do and just see how productive you are and then have a day where you don't think you've got time but you're going to make time to have really really short breaks we're not talking about taking an hour off each time it could just be I'm going to go and have five minutes walking outside outside's great because being confined by four walls is not great for your imagination so get outside and then see how productive you are when you come back to your desk and then but at the end of the day make a judgment and that's the information you need to keep stuck on your wall to remind you that's the information you need to pass to your manager and say this is why I'm better when I work like this and your teammates and anyone else but that comes down to individual responsibility boundaries knowing your boundaries and how to keep them yeah and feeling comfortable with it yeah yeah and you can imagine them as being physical as well just to help you or you can put the time in your diary which makes it physical absolutely and I think when people again as people knowing themselves well you know what you need in order to work well so whether it's about having uh, alarms um, that go off every hour on your phone, whether it's some people have a post-it note something stuck to their water bottles, every time they pick up their water bottle, they stand up and drink their water. Some people, going back to your imagination, they will have a photo of themselves on holiday or somewhere that makes them really happy or something. 
on their desk because every time they look at that, their brain's pattern matching back to how good that felt. And it's all these little cues you can use, whether it's music, sense, it doesn't matter what it is, but that sense of allowing your imagination just to go somewhere else to pattern match to a positive experience rather than I'm focusing on the spreadsheet and I've just got to keep looking at it until it all makes sense, which is just, it's just counterproductive. (laughs) I don't know. I've often done that. (laughs) Yeah, but to you, it would make sense in the end. And to me, it wouldn't. (laughs) But for me, it's play and imagination as well. It would come into, ooh, how can I find this to work? (laughs) Thank you so much for listening. I hope you've enjoyed the paths we traversed on today's episode. If something rang through for you, be sure to let me know. Or maybe you can share this with someone in your life who would benefit from listening too. And if you enjoy helping others, I'd be so grateful if you would leave a review so that people who might also be curious about their own life beyond the numbers can discover this podcast too.